Welcome to Gals Night In. Let your hair down, grab your best friends, and cozy up with your favorite drink as we talk about everything under the sun. Your perfect Gals Night In. I'm Sam. I'm Cedis, and we're the Gals. We're very excited to be recording this episode and for you to join us. The topic for this episode is birth control. Birth control is a huge part of our lives as it is for most women, which is why we decided to dive into this topic. I have done some extensive research prior to my research <laughs> on this episode, and there's many things that we don't realize about birth control. So I'm pretty excited to share some of the things I and Sam have learned from our own personal experiences and from the research. She's done a very extensive research. <laughs> um, so while listening, we want you to feel like you're at your own gals night in, which is why we will be sharing our favorite self-care rituals and drinks. This episode's pairing is with a healthy fruit smoothie. Um, there's really no wrong time to drink a smoothie, which I thought was kind of cool to, to do a smoothies because um, the time difference between me and Cetus and really doesn't matter like with alcoholic drinks and stuff like that. It kind of matters because for her it's nighttime, it's fine, but for me it's uh, very early in the morning. So I thought that was kind of cool. And we're talking about our body and we thought it would be kind of cool to pair it with something healthy this time. Um, this fruit smoothie contains strawberries, blueberries, plain Greek yogurt, and a few other items that make it very delicious. And if you would like to make this smoothie, you can find the recipe on our website, galsnightinpod.com. So what is birth control? Probably most of you listening are women, therefore you know what birth control is, but it's basically defined as any way in which you prevent pregnancy. It's basically a female problem. Most men don't think all the time about how they're not going to get pregnant today <laughs> or in general um, because they can't get pregnant. And uh, most birth control is on the market for women, not for men. And there are many different types of birth control that can be used, but um, we're going to share with you the most common types. There's different categories. You can take hormonal, that's like the pill, the mini pill, implants, shots, a patch. There's like many different ones that you can use. Then there's also things like the female barrier me methods that aren't hormonal, which is like the sponge, the female condom, or a diaphragm. That's hard to say <laughs> in English. There's going to be a lot of hard words in this episode for me since uh, I'm not a native English speaker, but I will try. Um, yeah, then there's also male barrier methods, which may, the main one is the condom, and it's almost the only one that men can or want to use. And um, there's also something like vasectomy, but that's like a really big thing to do. And there's two more. One is the withdrawal method, which is the oldest or goes back the furthest, but is also not the best to do. <laughs> and um, then there's also something like IUDs, which are also mostly hormonal, but have their own category. And um, the only one that isn't 
is a copper version. And there's also another me method, which is the natural family planning, or also called NFP, which is the only one where you do not have to take anything hormonal or other things, um, but it's also the one where you have to take the most care and really know your body. If you do want to know more about any of the methods or how, like, which ones are better or for you personally, then just look it up, do some research and um, decide what works for you. Yes, um, birth control methods, they're all about what works for you. And speaking of what's best for you, we're going to get into a little bit about our own experiences because both of us have, of course, a lot of experience with birth control. So I first got on any type of birth control, which was the pill. When I was 20, um, that's when I had my first <clears throat> serious relationship. <laughs> Maybe a, a gag re reflex for my ex. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I had my first serious relationship um, when I was 20 um, and started having sex for the first time. Um, <laughs> mine was... We, I think we started out, you, so I was on the pill, I got on the pill, and then we started using condoms, I think in the beginning, I can't really remember, but I think because typically men don't like condoms very much, and so eventually I feel like we stopped using them. Oh, it's been in both of my serious relationships. You start using them because like, you know, you're not really that serious yet, and then I feel like often once you get serious it's like okay you have to um if you're not using a condom you you really have to place a lot of trust in the person that you're sleeping with um that they're not sleeping with anybody else so that's kind of um was something for me but on the pill I was I remember getting on it and I felt like my not my personality but the way that I was a lot with other people and myself I just felt really moody on it I felt like it I became a different person I used I felt like I had been pretty easygoing before but then I felt like everything bothered me and I, yeah I just noticed a big difference so it's I was like how it's like you felt like it's um depicted in movies or men think women are on their period <laughs> on the pill yeah <laughs> She's different. She's crazy. Yeah. Um. So I was on that pretty much up until I... So that was my first relationship that ended. <clears throat> and then I was in a different relationship, which, which is now, my now husband. And I was 23 and I decided I... Well, I was tired of taking the pill every single day. And I was also forgetting it for like two and three days at a time. And so... <laughs> By the time I looked at my pill packet, I had missed like, my, I don't know, like half the, the packet. So I was like, okay, this is really not something I want to be on. So I decided to go to my um, gynecologist and I was like, okay, I'm going to try something else. And the copper IUD sounded like the best option for me because you put it in, goes in your uterus. And mm, the one that she recommended to me was called Kylina and it stays in for five years and you don't have to worry about it okay I will just start off by saying 
that, yeah, you really have to find what works for you because the Kylina, the copper IUD works for a lot of people, but for me, it did not work out. So first of all, I almost passed out when I got it in. I was like completely unprepared for the amount of pain that it took to get it in. And I was like, okay, if I had known, I would not have gotten it. But for, um, it's not that painful for everybody. For some people, it's just like, mm, okay, no big deal. But for me, it was like, I thought that the world was going to end. It was so painful. So after a little bit, my husband could feel it, which you can get the strings shortened. Um, but I was still in pain for the, the entire time I had it in, which I think was like, I don't know, two or three months. I was in so much pain. It was like my body was rejecting it and it was didn't seem like it was normal. And so I got it out because I was just tired of being in pain. And even still to this day, it's almost like I have some tissue that is like, I don't know, scarred or something because in some certain positions, I still hurt and even, even though I don't have it in there. So that's just my experience with it. I, um, for kind of a comparison, my body, I also can't wear tampons anymore because my body like rejects it. So it's just like a me thing. Um, for some people it works really well, but that was just, yeah, it was, um, awful. <laughs> Didn't you also have to like get, um, taken from work for two weeks? Or I remember something like when it happened, you told me that it was really painful Was there something that you couldn't even go to work or am I remembering it wrong? Um, I don't remember. Maybe it was someone else because I talked to a couple of people who've had that and you're not the only one that's had like really bad issues. Like the other ones I talked to, hmm. they've also, it didn't work out. Um, not all of them. I have one friend who still has it. But someone else, she she also almost passed out and she puked and she she still has it in, but she's mm. getting like going to get it out. Like she had similar problems wow. that you had. Yeah, I I don't know. I think the doctors make you think that it's like a one time thing. You get it in and you don't you don't worry about it or think about it. But it's I don't know. Yeah. Also, if you have to get it taken out. Like, it's really expensive as well. You don't get your money back. It's not a guarantee that it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was really actually worried that um, my insurance wouldn't pay for it because I got it taken out so soon. So that was a worry as well. Um, mm -hmm. But so to give you um, a little bit of a timeline up until now, I got back on the pill after that. And then actually Cetus introduced me to... we. She had been doing some of her own research, and she introduced me to this book. Um, it's called A Period Repair Manual because she was kind of, I'll let her tell you about her own experiences, but I had been kind of wanting to get off of it and um, off of the pill, and so that kind of helped me learn more about periods and birth control And so I eventually decided to get off of any type of birth control except for, um, you know, using condoms. And so now I don't use anything. Um, I am married. So um, me and my husband want children in the future. Not right now, but we pretty much utilize condoms in withdrawal method. And just a note on the withdrawal method, it can cause anxiety, I feel, because you have to 
entirely trust every single time that your partner is going to pull it out. (laughs) And I don't know at the right time um, that there's, he can't make any mistakes. And I don't know about you, but that is like, I don't know. I get anxiety when it's like about to happen. I'm like, do you know, do you see me? You are going to do what you need to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to get caught in the, caught up in the moment, are you? (laughs) Um, So yeah, if you're you're utilizing that method because your partner doesn't like a condom, and I would only recommend this if you're in a serious relationship, but make sure they know every time that that is your expectation and I don't know, I say like every time that happens, like, yeah, it's, it's a huge trust that you have to put into the other person, especially on the side of the woman, because if something's going to happen, that's for sure. Sadly, mainly the, the, the problem of her first, unless the person like your partner is um, really responsible, but still like you need to know and not just do it without thinking about the consequences or talking about yeah. it and knowing your partner. I feel birth control, sex, birth control, that kind of things. I feel there are a lot of things that come with trust. And I feel a lot of accidents happen when there's like the trust is broken or there's there's not trust, which is why. I think- yeah, or the communication just in general. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, my my story. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually, I didn't st- start with the pill I started with um, condoms first because I've had heard that like the pill is doing a lot to your body that I didn't want to put myself through Um, but um, I think I started taking the pill around also 19 or 20 years when I was 19 or 20 and um, I actually started because kind of a similar reason I had my first relationship, which was also serious, and um, my then boyfriend kind of pushed me to take the pill because he, of course, he also didn't want to use a condom. <laughs> and um, at first, I I didn't want to, but like he kept bringing it up, and I felt like okay, maybe that's better, it's safer, and that's kind of what everyone tells you that you kind of have to do once you like get sexual. So I was like, okay, like I have to do this. And um, I also went to my, like, I had to search for gynecologist. (laughs) Okay. I had, I had to search for (laughs) gynecologist because I didn't have one before. And um, so I felt a little overwhelmed with searching for one and then making an appointment, going there, like telling them, you know, I need to um, take the pill. And at that time it was like, also kind of awkward to talk like yeah I need to take this because I'm having sex you know when you're <laughs> like having to talk to someone about it it's normal yeah. but still and um she like she didn't really ask me any questions um if I had anything that they needed to um think about like she didn't really she just gave me some pill and um I was supposed to try it out and then if it didn't work I should just go back there and tell them about it and I like I felt really awful. I think for the first two months, I I was feeling nauseous all the time, dizzy, sick, also really moody. Like I was having a lot of problems, and I also I felt like I was sick all the time. Like I kind of when you're um, having a fever, like your body's aching and everything's not well, 
And I was just told that's normal and that would go away. And um, it did get better with time. Or I don't know, maybe I also got more used to it. But I still had really big issues whenever I was, um, like during the placebo week when you don't take the pill. I was having migraines and feeling like sick and nauseous again. And um, I just felt sick Mm -hmm. in general. And I went back there and told her about it. And she was kind of really like casual. She was like, yeah, that's normal. Like, no big deal. Nothing to worry about. Like, she didn't give me a different pill or ask me anything. And um, she only told me that my body was just not handling it too good. And she just told me to keep taking it, like not do the break. And she didn't tell me anything else. She only said, yeah, just keep keep taking it. Don't do the break. I was like, okay, I will do that. I was like, great. I will not have like be on my period. That's perfect. I was really happy about it. And I was like, the doctor told me so it should be fine. (laughs) And uh, I kept taking it actually for, I think, the first time a whole year without a break. But then I started to have um, like bleedings in like, and um, whenever, then I started whenever that happened to do a break. And only when I researched it, I found out that you're not even supposed to take it for that long. You're like, you can take it for two months in a row and you should then do a break. But I just kept taking it. Um, But like she didn't give me any more information about it. And um, I did that until I stopped taking the pill. Um, I also didn't talk to her about it because she would always, whenever I asked her something, tell me that's normal. Like I had, I felt like I was having hair loss or like whenever there was something I just wanted her feedback on. I also read in my prescription, like the the little article, the, the like the thing where like side effects and everything and things to, if you need to worry about, it also had something about migraines in it, but I don't have migraines with an aura. I still asked her though. And she was just like, oh, you actually read that? <laughs> and I felt like, I was like, yes, I did because I'm taking it. And she was kind of making fun, uh, fun <laughs> of me for reading it. And she's like, you need to worry about that. And so, yeah. I haven't I actually haven't been back there for a long time, <laughs> um, and I will not, I would go, not back go back to her. Um, so that's around when I started to do excessive research because I knew I didn't want to take the pill anymore. I didn't want any hormones, but I also didn't feel I didn't want anything inside of me like an IUD. I I just I still don't feel comfortable with the idea of having it put in. And not being able to take control of it myself, like having to go to a doctor, have someone have to take it out, especially after your horror story. (laughs) I am not going to do that at all. I'm not even going to try. And so I felt like there were no options for me. And um, I really, really (laughs) wanted to not take the pill anymore. And um, I think I researched for like... I don't know, a couple of months, half a year, I, I bought the book, I read about it, I looked up all the other options that are out there, and I just in the end decided to not take the pill anymore and just use condoms, which I still don't think is like, I, w- I wish there was a better option out there, which is not, but it's working for me, and I'm really happy that I'm not on the pill anymore because it kind of like for you too, it was just changing so many things my mood my like body I had side effects like I was feeling really not feeling good I had a lot worse migraines and I do think it was a good decision and I don't I don't want to go back I don't know if I will because you do feel more you do feel a lot more safe with it of course 
like you know there's nothing that can happen or well it still isn't like 100% mm -hmm. foolproof but if you take it right there's almost no chance but yeah that's kind of my story and um, it took a while I still feel like I'm not as informed as I yeah. want to be but you think I I did a lot and like I didn't just say okay I don't want to take it anymore I thought about it I read into it and I think it's important that you just don't make a decision and don't know what you're doing whatever decision you do or t decide to do as long as you're informed and it works and you feel safe with it it's fine like you don't have to take the pill yeah I think that it's really hard to just get off of something that you've been taught is like something that you have mm. to have if you're <clears throat> sexually active it's like if you're not on birth control it's like oh no like you're gonna get pregnant and it's like something that you're you know from a young age it's like you have to be on it you have to be on it which I think that it is is good for a certain I don't know period of your life or or hopeful when you yeah for for certain people and for some people for certain periods of their life but it is there's just yeah there's a lot of side effects I forgot to mention that um Cetus mentioned her hair my I lost so much hair and I had no idea it was from my birth control until I started reading this book that Cetus showed me and I was like oh my god my <laughs> hair's been falling out because of my my birth control so and like Cetus I feel so much better I feel like me again it feels great I feel amazing <laughs> <laughs> like unicorn like brand new person it, it's kind of cliche, but I do feel like a lot more in touch with myself and my body. And um, of course, it, I do think it's amazing that it exists because for a lot of people, that's an, like a good option, especially if you're younger and you don't know a lot yet. And it's it's better to have the side effects than, I don't know, being pregnant with 15 or something. It, it's still like not the end of the world, but still it is. A good thing to yeah. have and to know about i just think there's people are not informed enough about what it actually is or is doing um a lot of young people are getting prescribed for a better skin which i don't i don't think that should be why you're taking yeah. it yeah i know that some of um my friends have like i have a couple of friends who are on birth control i think one got prescribed it for clear skin which yeah I don't I don't get it and another friend who is not no longer in a serious relationship but she decided to keep taking it because of her skin and I was like why don't do it <laughs> but you know that's everybody's personal um decision and also some people have maybe don't have side effects or have less side effects so like the even just this one type of um, birth control affects people differently yeah i agree um cetus is probably going to be sharing more of this information with you just because she is the expert in on this topic and has done um a lot more research than I have. I can't say that I've, like she said, she'd like to know more. I feel like I really need to know more. So she'll take the lead on this one. <laughs> Let's put my educational glasses on. Welcome to the <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. There's people that know a lot more, but it is something that interests me. And I've also, I didn't know a lot of the history before I did research for this episode. 
well I did know some but I've always been interested to know like how how did women do it in I don't know 100 years ago or 200 years ago or like from the beginning it's like how do you do it <laughs> they don't talk about that <laughs> how was it done you yeah you and I think you usually always think of women like having they just get pregnant whenever and that's why they had so many babies because they didn't have any form of birth control mm-hmm yeah, that's kind of what you think. It's like, oh, yeah, they couldn't do anything about it before the pill existed or they didn't have good methods. They just had to get pregnant. But there are actually some things. And we will start with the actually the earliest known recordings of birth control method, methods. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> earliest known record, <laughs> recordings of birth control methods. And they actually date back to around 1850 B.C., and um, there was all various forms of birth control in the ancient Egypt, Greece, and ancient Rome. And one thing that I thought was interesting, which is kind of obvious, I just didn't think about, that um, they did extended breastfeeding for up to three years because it was um, a form of birth control. As long as you're breastfeeding, apparently you can get pregnant. That's, that's like... I feel like that would be good and bad at the same time because who wants to breastfeed for three years? <laughs> yeah i don't know if maybe it, it was not i feel like if you do that today you will be really frowned upon but maybe that was just normal and yeah like something like a social thing it's accepted or not but yeah today it feels kind of weird to think about doing that and actually one of the most famous ancient forms of birth control was a type of plant that was native to north africa and this plant was actually so popular because it worked it's not unfortunately it doesn't exist anymore um it was just a small population and it went extinct but i thought it was really interesting that like a natural plant could actually do that and seem to have worked wow. really good sad that it doesn't that's so sad that it's <laughs> existed <anymore>. yeah <laughs> i know i was like oh so sad we need to go in search of this ancient plant and see if we can uh, recreate it yes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course something else that was um one of the oldest methods is the withdrawal or pull out method and it was used by ancient people and uh, modern historians actually believe that it is that most of the birth control options that people used in during that time were ineffective except for the pull-out method they say it's actually more effective than people say today but it has to be used right and like you said before you have to trust your partner and know what you're doing yeah that's wait that's interesting because um it's like very it's not recommended Mm -hmm. at all today it's like um a form of birth control or it's like i don't know if when you go into your doctor you see like um usually they have like a chart and they have a list of i don't know every gynecologist like little office i go into has this chart where they show you the most effective Mm -hmm. forms of birth control and it's like withdrawal is like i don't know what the percentage is but it's like i don't even know if it's on the chart actually but usually (laughs) it's not very recommended (laughs) yeah well actually I think I, I'm not sure about this. Like, if you really want to know the percentage, then look it up. But I think I read something that it's like 73% effective. Mm. And um, that's the thing. Like, all of the options are pretty, like, they're in the 70 to 90% spectrum. But 
I think because we do have a lot better options, it's kind of frowned upon today. But yeah, I was I thought it was interesting that it is more effective than you get like getting told. Of course, it's probably the least effective from the ones at the like that we have now, but it's still not the worst. Yeah, not encouraging anyone to <laughs> just do this without knowing what they're doing. But yeah. Um, so people also drink, um, copper salt, which is actually toxic and was advised to women in ancient Greece. Um, and condoms have existed since the Renaissance, um, but they were introduced to prevent STDs and not as birth control. And that kind of became a thing in the 1600s because, you know, birth control was, I don't know, was frowned upon. In most places, it was illegal. And after the mid-1800s, condoms became more and more popular as a means to prevent both pregnancy and um, STDs, STIs. And there were also lots of new manufacturing techniques, um, which led to a decrease in the price of rubber used to make condoms and also increased their popularity in the Victorian area. They were marketed as feminine hygiene products or mother's friend which i thought was interesting um because it's it's i mean feminine hygiene if you think about that today i mean i guess it it is but it's not also it's 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 your health it's really important yeah it still it seems like they didn't want to call it what it is that it was still kind of a gray area that's what i feel like Like, oh, this is just feminine hygiene. You can buy this. Like, I feel like it might have been a bigger deal if they would have called it what it was. But that's just what I think. Maybe that's not why yeah. they did it. And from 1830 to 1860, abortion rates steadily rose, um, which is something we haven't talked about yet, birth control in comparison to abortion. But an estimated one in five pregnancies was aborted. A woman used uh, different types of drugs to induce miscarriage. And uh, physicians and other trained practitioners um, would also perform surgical abortions. If you've watched any period type of film or TV show, you a lot of times you'll you'll see how you know people had to go to like little shadowy, dark alleyed little shops to, or like uh, a lot of them were what is another name for like a whorehouse to find somebody who would give them an abortion. Brothel, that's what it is. Brothels were also a place where they, obviously because they were, you know, sex workers, so they would have to often get abortions. So usually the, the madam would have herbs or plants or something to induce a miscarriage, or um, they would be able to connect you with somebody who could perform an abortion for you. Or if someone got pregnant before they were married, that was horrible at two. They usually would have to hide it, or, or the parents would take it away and pretend it was someone else's. Like, crazy things. Yeah, there's so many layers to birth control, which we... We just don't have the time to touch on, like, as it as it relates to marriage and uh, age and religion and culture. And it's there's just so many. And what you what you have access to, it's it's so much, so much. Mm. But yeah, we I mean, we're not the biggest experts in the world. So we also 
can't talk about all of that. Don't look on the internet, people. <laughs> so yeah, it's um like birth control actually has been around forever, um just in a lot more dangerous or ineffective ways. And um, I found some examples that because I was really interested to know like what what did people do? Like we said before, you kind of think they just get pregnant and they can't do anything about it. But it's it's thought or they found out that there's actually women had more control over the reproduction than what was previously thought about it. And some of the things they did were drinking poisonous or toxic things that actually made women sterile, but they could also cause death because they were poisonous. And there were also some weird things people did through the wrong beliefs or tales that were told, like actually wearing weasels, testicles, or this one is really specific walking in a circle three times where a pregnant wolf had peed <laughs> like who thinks about this it's so weird how do you know that the pregnant wolf is there yeah but that was something oh people God. did as well or also wearing special amulets that were supposed to prevent it and um wearing herbal wreaths with like some gross stuff in it i'm not going to say what they put in it <laughs> i love how you put some gross stuff yeah i read it i was like okay i'm not going to write all of that down <laughs> if you're interested find out yourself um and um some things that were a little bit more effective were they did some herbal treatments with different plants um but they were more often not safe than healthy and now now it gets interesting um for example pomegranates if i pronounce this right um were one of the earliest con contraceptives and they did actually work like the the seeds what i know that's that's so crazy like that's something i would want to know more about because like how do you just eat the seeds i mean you can't eat the seeds um i didn't do too extensive research about it i just read it but i also want to know more about it and It did say that they were using the seeds and um, huh. I don't know how effective it was or would be today, but it did it did say that it was was kind of effective and maybe something to look into. <laughs> they still exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, sadly, they, the plant that got extinct, which cannot be used anymore. And um, also something... Um, Something that I also thought was kind of funny, um, there it existed a recipe book. It was actually written by a man that had later become a pope, and he had written down postcoital contraceptives that were surprisingly effective. So like recipes with herbs or drinks and stuff. And if you like do want to know more about it, it's um there's a sheet on the Planned Parenthood website which talks about exactly this. But I just thought there was like some funny things that maybe you want to bring up in the conversation <laughs> if you don't know what to talk about. Um, and also maybe interesting to do some more research on. But yeah, that was I was really surprised by some of those yeah. things. Uh, the, the theme of this episode, actually, the theme of our whole podcast is if you want to know more. <laughs> <laughs> We just touch on <laughs> maybe interesting things. <laughs> We give you a broad broad view and you have to do your your own more in-depth re research yeah or if some of this is 
really interesting for anyone, let us know. <laughs> Maybe we go more into depth about something. But if we do go into depth about all of the things we find out, we we will be here in like two weeks. Still, still recording. <laughs> yeah, we we've already gone down a rabbit hole. So, <laughs> um, side note. I really have to pee again. I don't know why I'm peeing so much this morning. Okay. I'll just wait. Okay. I'll be fast. Once Sam's gone, I looked up the, the palm grenades again. And um, it just said that it actually started as a myth of um, like the story about Persephone, the ancient Greece, um, like with Zeus. It's really hard for me to pronounce all of these names in English. Um <laughs> Those names are hard to pronounce, but I know what you mean. Yeah, and she was the child of Zeus and the goddess of harvest. So there's that kind of a mythical backstory about why people started taking palm grenades. But I still don't know. Oh, yeah, they did. They did actually um, take the seeds, and um, I think they were grinding them up, and we're just eating them or the fruit. So they were just using all of the palm grenade what they could use but it does say it's not certain if it was um for contraceptive or actually abortive <laughs> purposes so i don't know how effective it actually was but <laughs> now i'm gonna go buy all the pomegranate seeds and just gonna eat them <laughs> okay so um the um actually the founder of the american wealth control league was margaret Sanger and it started like some bigger thing about if um like the pill and um she has um tried to work on the rights for women to use contraception and um it was kind of I read that in the beginning the pill was illegal because um trials and testings were not allowed and so they actually moved it to um pre Puerto Rico, um, because there was no law against contraceptives, and it was close enough to the U.S. so that it was like one of the criteria. <laughs> it was. I just not say this word. It was close enough to the U.S. and it had a well-established birth, like many established birth control clinics. It also said that many of the women were, which I really didn't like that it said that, but. They used women that were semi-literate or illiterate, which allowed researchers to test whether or not the pill could also, this is quoted, used by women around the world, regardless of their educational accomplishments. Which, having this as a criterion, I, like, <laughs> when I read this, I was like, oh, like wow, <laughs> that's, yeah. okay. But that, that's just what was one of the things they said. Um, they also had more requirements, which it, it doesn't really get better. Um, but they had to be healthy, they had to be under 40, and they had to be fertile, which um, was proven if they had at least two children. And um, they would also have to be okay with getting pregnant if the testing failed. It is also said that some of these trials <laughs> would have not passed today's standards, which her hearing this is well, that's, <laughs> not a surprise. That's an understatement. <laughs> um. And um, 
So the the first brand that um, was called Enovit, a lot more hormones in it than needed to prevent pregnancy. I think it had it said it had contained ten thousand micrograms of progestin. Pro- progestin. And um, also too much estrogen. And compared to the dose today, it had like fifty. Or today it's fifty two hundred fifty micrograms of progestin and twenty to fifty <laughs> micrograms of estrogen, which which is a lot less. Wow. And um, I mean, you can only imagine um, the like the side effects were a lot worse. There were very serious risks and uh, like heart attack and stroke and um, it took like a real long time for scientists to actually combine the side effects of the pill with the problems that the woman in the testing had they they didn't think i don't i don't no. know why but um in like in the trials they didn't put this together i can imagine having if like today's dosage of hormones in the pill it causes you that much or that many side effects i can't imagine having what you know way more like a hundred times that of the those hormones being put into your body i know it literally make you go crazy it's insane yeah and they only found out like way later that it was just as effective to have a much lower dose of what they were putting in it and hmm. they also said that just one woman died of con- congestive heart failure and another one developed pulmonary tuberculosis. But I did watch a documentation on Netflix mm-hmm. and I don't know how accurate that is. But in that one, they said that it's it wasn't just one woman that died. So I don't know if it's the same trial or a different one they were talking about, but it said that some woman died during the trials of the research part. But I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Hmm. Well, I would I would imagine that knowing that a dosage that just one woman dying would be low, kind of low. And I don't know how many were tested in that one. Um, it didn't say like how many women were because it's also I mean if you only test five and one dies, it's a lot worse. If you test I don't know five hundred yeah. or more, but I don't know about that part. It didn't say. Yeah, but that's just. Like, I think the, of course, like when you try to test and there's always going to be, that's like the worst part about new things or trying to figure out what works. It did say they did this voluntarily, but still just thinking back on the the criteria they had for these women makes you kind of think about it. Like, okay. But maybe to get to a more positive thought, because this was kind of serious and sad. There's also, of course, positive side effects or social effects of the pill. So today, nearly 30% of all women use birth control. That was taken um, in 2014 from the Gutmacher, Gutmacher Institute. And the biggest thing is that it's helped women achieve higher education than ever before. Women have children Women get to choose more when they want to have children and they can have them later if they want to. They can choose education or to work or to do both. Women are, it, it really allows women to to do both. And it's also caused a wage increase for women because of their better chances for work. So um, not only are they getting to choose, but they're getting to do better work and they're getting better salaries although it's still not equal to a man that they are getting better salaries which 
um, equals a better quality of life, um, basically. So there are some really good positive effects of the pill. Obviously, we wish the <laughs> the negatives um, weren't a factor, but going into some of the negative effects of the of hormonal birth control are it can make migraines worse, um, sometimes better though. It reduces acne due to um, the presence of estrogen and progestin. It can also cause acne though due to hormonal changes. Um, it can cause fatigue. Uh, weight fluctuation. Both of us have had friends who have gained weight when being on different types of hormonal birth control. Um, changes in your breasts um, can be enlargement or tenderness. I think all of us have experienced tender breasts. Which for some is a positive if they grow, but yeah. <laughs> if they don't, it hurts. Yeah. It's not a positive. It's true. Um, like we talked about before, can worsen mood swings, uh, can cause bloating, nausea, um, increases the risk of blood clots, and can help with cramping, but can also make it worse. Just depends on who you are. You do have less menstrual flow, but it can also cause hair loss, uh, risk of higher blood pressure. A big one is loss of libido and um, has been linked to depression and anxiety. And there is some spotting too that can happen. I think that we also both experience like the loss of libido which is a huge one because I, I feel like that's something also not being talked about because it's maybe embarrassing or you don't necessarily link it to the pill or like the, the hormonal mm -hmm. changes but if you take it and you don't want it then it's kind of doesn't really make <laughs> sense because I've had that issue I was like no please don't touch me and um, I thought something was wrong with me or like the relationship which I mean also was <laughs> part of it late um, but it's I thought it was crazy that it does so much to your body yeah I definitely agree I've experienced that I also think it's kind of one of the worst or dumbest side effects because <laughs> the whole reason that you're you know that you're <laughs> taking it is so that you can have sex without worrying about getting pregnant. And then if it makes you not want to, then yeah, well, I guess it works in birth control. <laughs> You're just not having it all. It's like the worst of both. <laughs> yeah. So we both think that that's kind of funny. But a lot of people, something that a lot of women don't know is that when you're on a hormonal birth control like the pill, you don't get a real period. The week that you are supposed to bleed is not, it's like, it's a fake period to make us feel more at ease. Um, it's supposed to make you think that your body is having a period, like it's more natural, um, but it's actually medically unnecessary. So we talked about this book before. Um, the It's called The Period Repair Manual by Laura Bryden. And I have the book in English and Cetus has the book in German. And I don't know if it's been translated into other um, languages, but it, I we both highly recommend this book. Um, it is It does talk more about your period, but it does touch on birth control and there are some things that she she shares that are kind of eye-opening um such as um the, she says that the pill does not regulate hormones it just completely switches them off so your bleeding is not a menstrual bleed um so 
In her words, a rural period is a finale in a series of hormonal events, which includes ovulation and the making of progesterone. A rural period happens every 28 days because that's how long it takes your ovaries to complete the process. A rural period is about the healthy functioning of your ovaries. So a pill bleed does not proceed from ovulation. Instead, it's a withdrawal bleed from the drugs that stimulate your uterine lining but shut down your ovaries. A pill bleed is about the dosing of a drug. And then she goes on to say that pill steroids are not better than your hormones. They're not even real hormones. So if you think about it, it's basically like shutting down your hormones and your ovaries. It's like shutting down that part, lacing it with a drug, and making you think that everything is normal and okay, but really you're just basically blocking your natural body functions. And um, I thought that was, like, I had no idea that that was the case until I read this book. And I think that's really important to to note because I think that a lot of young, especially young women, don't know that. Like we talked about earlier, we just don't, aren't educated on this stuff. And like both of us have, I've never gotten anything more than take the pill from my doctor and she just hasn't either and I think that why we're stressing like do your research is and do what works best for you is because um there really is not a lot of information given to young women and I think that like it's just it's so crazy in order to make an informed decision like you need to know this stuff and you need to know how your body works and what these um things are doing to your body, um, what, what different types of birth control are going to do to your body. And that's not to say that we don't advocate for birth control. I feel like I, I'm going to get on my soapbox where it's like, no, don't, you know, don't take the pill. But and that's not true. We just want you to no. know um, what it is that it's doing to your body. And I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Yeah, I think you already said the important things but it does sound like we're very against it but that's that's not it it's just we're talking about this just the pill because it's like the one that most people use and we have experience with and um we also said a couple of times and it's important to do your research to do what works for you and just in general don't believe everything that's getting told you whatever it is like whatever topic and if you're not informed and you want to know more like talk to people who are have experience or get some books um, <laughs> um so one of the things that i'm pretty I guess, interested in or passionate about is the question that you might all be wondering is why isn't there any birth control for men? Why is this? Um, I said in the beginning that this is primarily a female problem and that's because there are basically only condoms are the option for men if they want to go you know and even even some like if you are a man and you want to go have sex and you are thinking about how you're going to control the whoever you're sleeping with from getting pregnant a female your only option is to get condoms or on the completely other end of the the spectrum which is most men are not going to do because it's pretty serious is a, a vasectomy which you know is a, a pretty serious thing 
And those are basically the only two things. And there, you know, if you are a woman, you have to seek out healthcare and women's clinics because you need them. Your um, the consequences of being sexually active directly result in your body. And that's not to say that like men don't care, but they don't have an immediate need to take care of their body. And I think if they did, it would be a very different issue. But it's kind of like, it's not, it's not a men don't see it as like their issue. And I'm sure that some do, and they want to play a more active role and take some of the, the weight off the woman. But the reality is, it's just not happening. And I would like to see it happen. I just wanted to add that also on the other side, if the woman is telling that she's taking birth control, that's also something they need to trust because they, they don't know that, especially in the beginning like when mm -hmm. you meet someone. That's, um, I mean, we're just talking from our side, but thinking about that could also be something that might be a problem for men. Yeah, and there is a pill for men, a hormonal birth control pill for men that would block their sperm from entering the woman's body um, that is in the works. It has passed safety tests as of more than a year ago. So in 2019, um, it passed safety tests, but they noted um, the men had several side effects that are similar, similar to current hormonal birth controls for women on the market. Things such as acne, tiredness, low libido, etc. All these things that are on the market now, men were like, mm-mm, this is, this is a lot, which I found really interesting. So I do hope that it will become a thing because I think that that would really, I guess, level the playing field as far as what people have access to. Now, would men take it? That <laughs> That is another question in itself. So that I don't know. It's also kind of not the best because then it, it would be the same just the other way around. They would have like the side effects and maybe don't want that. Like it's it's not the best for either. Like it would also not be fair to to say, okay, the man has to take it. But I do think it would be nice to even have the option to decide as a couple who would or if anyone wants to take it. Yeah. So after talking about our experiences and the history a little bit about the history. Um, we want to know how you feel about birth control and what methods work best for you. What Maybe what are you taking? What are you thinking about all of this? And um, do you think men should share more of the contraceptive burden? Or yeah, what just what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? We are really excited to know. Yes. So thank you for tuning into this episode and to Gals Night In. Did you love this episode? If so, please let us know by reviewing, rating, or subscribing to Gals Night In. We truly appreciate you and your feedback. Are you over the moon about Gals Night In and want to see us blossom? Follow us on Instagram at Gals Night In Pod and check out our website, galsnightinpod.com. You can also get to know us through our playlist on Spotify, a little something you can play during your own Gals Night In. We add new music all the time, so be sure to follow us. If you love and want to support us, you can donate on Patreon. And finally, if you have any perfect God's Night In topics you want to brought to our attention, shoot us an email at godsnightinpod at gmail.com. Goodbye! See you later, alligator. <laughs> <laughs> and see you next time! Goodbye! Auf Wiedersehen! See you next time! 
Tschüss. <lacht>